Hi, and welcome to a CM Murray podcast. Today, we're going to talk about partner exits from the point of view of the firm. My name is Wani Sander, and I'm an associate at CM Murray. And I've got with me Wendy Chung, who's a senior associate at CM Murray. So firms around the world are still having to deal with the economic effects of COVID-19. Now, many firms, because of this, have been considering cutting down their own partner ranks as a protective measure to ensure their firm's survival through the economic recession caused by the pandemic. In this CM Murray podcast, which is the first of a two-part series, we will look at partner exits from the firm's point of view. We will be discussing in this podcast why firms need to, or why they're being forced to consider, potential involuntary partner exits. Secondly, how should firms go about it? What are the options, the processes that might apply when they're considering a partner exit? And lastly, the key issues that all firms must keep in mind. Now in this podcast, I'm gonna to refer to the term firm. And what we mean when we say firm is we mean both a general UK partnership and LLP, so a limited liability partnership. Although those two entities are distinct in law, um, for the purposes of the of the podcast, we're just going to refer to them as one. Now, so let's start off talking about why firms need to exit partners in this environment. Now, Wendy, I know you've been acting for many firms who have been considering their options for exiting partners in line with their partnership agreement and their legal duties. Now, what sort of reasons have firms been talking about that have driven the management decisions um, to resort to a partner exit? So at the moment, we're seeing lots of partner exits being triggered by the need for firms to preserve cash and also maintain profitability during this pandemic. And in professional services firms in particular, we can see that a significant amount of cash can be preserved by reducing partner drawings. Mm-hmm. And some partners obviously will object to this and may be left with no other option other than to leave the firm, whether voluntarily or compulsory. Um, And also to keep up profit per equity partner at a time when businesses are doing less business and receiving less income, firms really need to think about reducing their partner headcount. And it's quite difficult for firms to do this, to force out a partner simply because a firm isn't as profitable as it used to be. Mm -hmm. But the less risky and, and more easy option is to be able to look at a partner's performance or their conduct as a way for justifying their exit. So we've seen lots of firms take a closer look at partners' past performance, but also their recent performance during lockdown, and also make an assessment on the partner's potential contribution for the future. So those partners with poor financial performance before lockdown and who don't show much hope for improvement will obviously be at risk. But we've also seen partners who have been historically good performers but now they fall within a box of the underperformer. And that could be because of the challenges of lockdown. And particularly if your clients are in the aviation industry or the leisure industry. So there could be a a downturn in work that they haven't been able to manage. Uh, Some partners we've seen have been struggling with working from home and managing their own family responsibilities. And it's been perceived that they've become disengaged from the firm or they're not keeping up with their management responsibilities. So those are some of the reasons that are related to performance that we've seen 
initiate the conversations about a partner exit. In terms of conduct, these are less common now since lockdown has started because people are having less physical interaction with people or that this kind of bad behaviour has been going undetected by the firm. And when the if a firm then thinks that they've discovered misconduct uh, by a partner, what sort of action and processes should they be following before they go to the nuclear option of expulsion, potentially? I'd say um, we see firms go through an investigation process um, to check whether or not this alleged misconduct has happened. And during that investigation process, partners may be able to be put on suspension where they're suspended from their duties. Yes, and sorry to interrupt, but just to make the point that uh, suspensions aren't to be considered by a firm as a routine step to impose in every single allegation of misconduct or um, in a disciplinary process. Um, And, you know, it's not to be used as a sanction but it's only if the firm actually has the right to suspend under its partnership agreement and or reasonable and proper cause uh, to suspend. For example, if there is a risk of retaliation to a complainant, a real risk, um, and the firm needs to suspend to protect the complainant from any potential retaliation in the interim period, whilst an investigation is ongoing. That's right, yeah. And what about sanctions in terms of a range of responses, Wendy? Um, Lower level response could be something like a a warning, and that could be a verbal warning where uh, leaders of the firm will take the partner aside and tell them, you know, this behaviour is not acceptable, Mm. what they need to change. Or it could be a more formal written warning by way of a letter and you know if you do anything again then we will take serious action of expelling you or making you retire with notice there could be other kind of more financial penalties where your the partner's profit share is reduced or that they're demoted to a more junior status so they could go from an equity partner to more fixed share partner but obviously because of the economic pressures that we're facing at the moment a lot of firms are resorting more to the drastic option of the forced exit route rather than looking at all the other steps that we would commonly see in in normal times. And even outside of conduct or performance, in this kind of economic environment, there can be other ways that partners may be exited from their firms. And do you want to speak a little bit about that, Wendy? Well, there's, we're already seeing it now, actually. Lots of firms are struggling in terms of their finances and, and keeping um, business flowing at the same level. So we're going to see lots more merger activity than we have done in the more recent years. And I think when in any merger during any sort of time, there's going to be some partners that don't agree with the merger or you know particularly if they don't agree with the terms of the merger or their new role in in the merged firm and sometimes a merging partner firm will also say well I don't want this partner to be a part of of the deal and Mm -hmm. in those circumstances we're going to see partners leaving whether voluntarily or through some sort of forced or negotiated exit as well. 
Okay, and so as we said, so we're also now going to talk about how firms actually go about putting in um, putting in place these exits. Um, what options they have once they've identified, you know, for whatever reason, be it a merger and they need to get rid of a few partners, so from a financial perspective, or misconduct that's been discovered. As of that point, what um, options do the firm have? It depends on the partnership agreement. So even before you make your decision to exit someone, you need to look carefully at your partnership agreement and see what powers you have and what process you need to follow. Um, most partnership agreements, um, assume they have one written down, will set out how partners can exit the firm. And typically we see that there are three categories of exit in particularly professional services firms. First, you have a voluntary resignation from the partner, although in more contentious kind of circumstances, it may be in reality initiated by the firm by having a quiet conversation, asking someone to leave and maybe even offering a financial incentive for the partner to leave. Obviously, this is the easiest and less risky option and hopefully could lead to a mutually agreeable kind of exit. But sometimes when the deal can't be reached or negotiations break down, then it may end up being a forced exit. And the forced exits, there's one of two options. The first one is to for the firm to give notice to the partner to leave and the partner would leave at the end of a specified period, which is usually somewhere between three and 12 months. But in some cases, it can be even longer. And this is probably the most valuable option to the firm, but it's not always contained in the partnership agreement. So if it's not contained in the partnership agreement, it means you can't use this option. And then you'd have to rely on what we call expulsion, which is the third option, where firms can only remove a partner if sp certain specified grounds exist. And those grounds are usually something serious, like misconduct or a breach of partner duties or a breach of the partnership agreement. Uh, and they rarely include grounds such as poor performance. Um, and if there is clause uh, then that's when the firm can usually give notice for the partner to leave either immediately or just with very little notice. And you were just talking there about the potential second option so where there aren't specific grounds um, that the firm can rely on um, but the firm is just issuing notice. Now in those circumstances you know if you sort of flip it around and turn it to the partners from the partner's perspective being asked to leave um, and potentially not knowing the reason why if the firm is relying on that second option what should they be telling the partner should they be giving the partner a reason well you'll see that in quite a few agreements there'll be a clause for compulsory retirement where it just states that you can make a partner leave just simply by giving notice and it may not say anything about giving a reason or it might specifically say that no reason needs to be given. But that doesn't actually reflect what the position is under the law. So at the moment, the law is still quite uncertain, but we would say that you would still need to have a reason written down uh, and the partners or whoever the decision makers are who are deciding to exit the partner should know and be clear what that reason is and record it in writing. Mm -hmm. You don't necessarily give it to the partner, but in all likelihood, the partner is going to ask, why am I being retired? What is the reason? They, and, you know, the partner will want to check that 
there's no discriminatory angle in in their exit or there's no kind of bad faith involved yeah. in forcing them to leave so in those circumstances i would say from the firm's perspective you may not want to offer up a reason but wait till a reason's been requested and make sure that you already do have that evidential trail of what that reason is and to make sure it's not something that would result in the decision to expel or retire someone result in that decision being invalid yeah and when it comes to that decision what about process so are there other things that the firm should be following before they make a decision to expel or mm. to issue notice? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I would say look at the partnership agreement and see whether a process is specified in that agreement. Usually um, for a compulsory retirement or an expulsion, you'd need a specified majority of partners or maybe just the management board to approve the decision. Uh, a written notice is almost always required to be given to the part to the partner that's affected. Sometimes we'll see in the partnership agreement that there'll be an appeal process written out, or it could be in a partner handbook as well. Um, and the appeal process might say that the partner can make representations to another partner group uh, within a certain number of days and then call for another partner vote to approve the decision. So if you don't follow that process, then there's a risk that that decision to expel someone would become invalid and that you would have to go through that process again in order to properly retire someone. Um, and sometimes the partnership agreement might provide for a, what we call a discretionary power to force somebody out. And this is where you know, the decision maker is making a judgment based on facts and then using their discretion to decide whether or not to exit someone, as opposed to something that happens automatically um, say, for example, some agreements will say if a partner is bankrupt, then they automatically leave the partnership. Mm -hmm. So in that kind of scenario, that's not a discretionary decision-making power. But um, in the discretionary decision-making power sort of circumstances, the firm should also be making sure that it follows a proper procedure and that its decision is reasonable as well. Yeah. In terms yeah, they should be taking into account relevant facts and not irrelevant facts. For example, something might be irrelevant if uh, the decision maker has some personal opinions about a particular partner and just doesn't get on with them, then that uh, could be something that could be a basis for challenge if the partner who was affected found out. Um, and the partner should be told the reasons for their exit and depending on the circumstances, they may also need to be given an opportunity to make representations to the decision maker to challenge, challenge the decision. And when the decision's actually taken as a final decision, then it should be a reasonable decision in the circumstances. Um, for example, if there was a forced exit because of a minor or technical breach of the partner's duties or the, the term of the partnership agreement, then it's more likely to be unreasonable and challenged by the partner. So you want to take as many steps as you can to make sure that you can avoid any sort of challenge and come back from the partner. Um, so once we've got to the point that the firm has identified um, 
exactly the reason why they want to get rid of the partner or, or a group of partners, have gone through whatever process is in their um, LLP agreement, or even if there isn't anything in the agreement, applied a bespoke process to ensure fairness and have um, come to the point of the decision to exit a partner what are the next steps? What are the sort of things from a legal and operational point of view that firms have to consider when then exiting that partner? Yeah, I mean, there are quite a number of issues to always think about. And bear in mind in terms of when you're negotiating and also when you're making the decision to exit a partner. And then the three main categories at the moment that concerning the firms we see are around money, operational continuity issues yeah, yeah so first of all firms are always concerned about the effect of a partner exit on their cash flows and even more during this pandemic because cash is so crucial to the firm's vibe um so when a partner exits you always have to remember that capital that the partner has contributed is often repaid and sometimes that's repayable as soon as the partner's left or very soon after and depending on the amount of money we're talking about, it can be a very significant impact on the firm's resources. Um, the ideal situation for a firm is to have the capital repaid over a period of time by instalments mm-hmm. so that that impact is lessened and, and a bit more manageable. But this can only be done if it's negotiated with the leaving partner or if it's already set out in the partnership room. Um, the firm will also probably have to pay out the partner's undistributed profit share and also tax reserves. Mm-hmm. But tax reserves are often used by the firm as working capital. So if it's already been used up either during the pandemic or, or before, then the firm has to find some way to get that cash back. Or they have to make an agreement with the partner to pay the tax on behalf of the partner when it's due in, in say, 12 months' time. Mm. On the operational side, firms want to ensure business continuity and also protect its business and its reputation. So they'd be most concerned about clients and customers and employees or even other partners leaving with the exiting partner. Um, and they'll want to make sure there's a smooth handover of any, of any work as well. Mm-hmm. There are actually a whole range of protective measures that firms can take but only if they have the power to do so under the partnership agreement so quite often we'll see firms put a partner on garden leave and limit their access to clients and customers and suppliers and other staff uh, enforce restrictions on soliciting clients and customers or poaching other staff uh, the firm may also want to control or agree announcements relating to the partner's exit announcements going internally and also externally to to customers or to the market generally. Some partnership agreements have provisions in there built in already for a smooth handover of work and may require the outgoing partner to provide some assistance either before or after they leave in terms of collecting fees or dealing with any claims that come up after the partner's left. In terms of legal risks, the firms will also need to consider the risk of any claims by the exiting partner for challenging the decision or for discrimination or any breach of duties in relation to um, how they were treated on their exit. And sometimes the, these legal claims are not so obvious. Uh, there could be claims for indirect discrimination, especially if the exit was related to the current 
working situation where we've seen partners' performance being affected by childcare responsibilities or, mm-hmm. or pressures on their mental health and mental health issues. And these can all open up the risk of a claim against a firm for sex or disability discrimination. So the firm really needs to be alive to all of these issues and take them as a whole. And that will also help in terms of negotiating terms for exit as well. And when firms are um, negotiating those terms for exit, we see quite a lot firms will enter into settlement agreements um, with the exiting partner, particularly if those risks that you've identified are at play. Um, and they think there could potentially be a discrimination claim or a whistleblowing claim. Um, And I guess it's worthwhile thinking about all of that um, when undertaking this process as well. So some some firms may also just go with a a normal retirement deed and, as you say, sort of wrap up the financial issues, the operational issues. Um, And some firms, depending on the circumstances of that particular partner exit, will want to think about whether or not they want to ask the partner to waive potential um, actual um, claims. Yeah, I mean, we've seen lots of cases where firms will start off with a letter to the partner saying that you are now on notice that you're going to retire in a few months or even days. And then it ends up being a contentious matter where the other partner has raised some potential claims against the firm and eventually you'll get around to an actual retirement and settlement agreement. You need to be aware of that you may not always follow the process that you had intended when you first decided that this partner should go. Yeah, exactly. Well, that brings us to the end of this podcast. Um, And I think to kind of bring out the key themes of what you've been um, speaking about, Wendy, it's most important for a firm really to understand their rights and obligations, particularly in these turbulent times, to protect the business's bottom line, yes, but also to reduce the risk of claims. So, you know, all the while, I think our key uh, message might be that they follow the process look at your LLP agreement or your partnership agreement. Now, we'll be following up this podcast uh, with a second podcast where we will look at partner exits, but from the point of view of the partner. So thank you very much for listening. You can find out more information about anything that you've heard on this podcast by going to our website at www.cm-murray.com where you can find a range of resources and our contact details. Thank you very much for listening.